Hello and welcome to episode 13 of the Headstuff podcast. Uh, I'm here with Connor Wilkins. Hello, Alan. Hi, Connor. <laughs> Connor, as always, has done the sound and he um, is hogging the mic. Can't get him off the mics. Yeah, well, it's not. <laughs> you invited me in here. <laughs> Deal with it. Uh, so this episode is with Anderson. Um, Anderson is the musician you may have seen in a video um, doing door-to-door sales of his new album. Um, the video has gone somewhat viral and is very good. You saw the video? It's very cool, yeah. It's lovely. Uh, it's such a nice idea. He's done it all himself, made the album, built a studio, and then literally is going out and selling it himself. Such a nice video as well. It's really nice. Yeah, it's very, I mean, it's very... Uh, it is nice. Uplifting. And it is, kind of, yeah. Uh, I love all the dubs in it, all the every, all the kind of du- all the characters, if you, if you like. Um, uh, not just Anderson himself, but the people he talks to. Uh, they invite him into their homes and show them some of the records they have and that yeah. kind of thing. And it's just, it's the whole thing is just really, really nice. That's cool, yeah. So um, uh, I, I had seen Anderson do a gig before at the uh, WGM, which is another great podcast you should listen to, uh, WGM, and he was really good. Um, and I listened to a lot of his songs after that. Um, but then this video came out and I just thought, oh, we should get, we should get him on the podcast because he'd be a really good guest. He's really interesting. Uh, his music is really nice. And he was nice enough to play a song for us as well. Um, his story is really interesting. Really you know, interesting. To, to, yeah. To, I don't know to have that kind of motivation and drive to say, right, you know, I'm actually gonna yeah. do this, and if I have to do it all, you know, on my own and push myself to do it. It must be the most DIY he's music. Very, he's such a really very driven yeah. guy. Very. Yeah. You know. I but, mean, a lot of people have probably made their own album and then sold it themselves, but door to door and building the studio, yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. Like, uh, so that's all really good, um, and. Uh, I enjoy talking to him, and I think it's a really good interview. Um, I think, <laughs> <laughs> not my side. Just I think, patting yourself on the back there, Alan. No, I think what he says is, I think he's really interesting, um, and I think all all his answers are really good. And um, that's true. Yeah, I suppose he, he, again, he's like another guy that you could talk to all day. Like yeah. you, know, you, you know, I had to actually stop you two from talking before the podcast about the album and the recording and the whatever. Pro Tools or Logic <laughs> or whatever. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, you could talk to him. You could talk to him for longer than I could probably, but um, he's a nice guy. Yeah, he's a nice guy. Yeah, um, you're a nice guy too, Alan. Oh, thanks, Connor. You're all right. Um, so, Anna, uh, look, Connor's lovely. Uh, <laughs> so, if you if you're interested, um, you should go and buy his album. As I said, he's he's done it all himself, and it's really really good. It's Andersonsongs.com, and um, I think we'll start this episode with a song. Um, so, what do you want me to sing? <laughs> so, uh, this is episode thirteen with Anderson. The burnt out cars and the bicycle wheels Wondering what I'm supposed to do To get out of this place and get through to you It's not hard to make sense of the things that I see How the people react when they're talking to me The cycle is spinning out of control And the years are beginning to take their toll And you hide in your heart what you want
rest of my days The sun-cut horizons remind me of you Where the cloud starts to split and the light comes through The hut of the night comes over the day And the kids on the corner laugh together and say Mr. White, do you dress like that? You look like a queer in that stupid hat And I fell for a feeling I got Cecilia was there all along And she bitched and she cried Till the sun set and died And I knew it was time to move on So I'm here with Anderson Thanks for coming on to the podcast Pleasure. And with Connor Wilkins, as always. Hi. How are you? Um, so, um, there's, there's a lot going on with you at the moment. Um, but uh, I suppose before we get into your, your whole debut album and, uh, and the video, which is viral at the moment, mm. um, I'd like to get uh, just an, an idea of, of kind of who you are and where, where you came from, I suppose. How did you get into all of this? And how did you get to a point where you were making your own album, building a studio and doing all that stuff? Um so I suppose where did it start? Where did where did music start for you? I suppose I've always I've always you know music's always been a part of my life in some capacity. Probably um, when I was in school, I met a few people who were playing music, and I wouldn't necessarily be you know I, I had no sort of interest in playing in, in music intru- uh, musical instruments. I wasn't really. Right that way inclined until I met these people and they were all playing music and I think I just wanted to be a part of it you know right. I, I, and then I got in a band with them called The Rags Yeah. and we made a couple of VPs and a really good album and a couple of good singles and I suppose that's where it all started with and was band. it was a guitar you picked up first? well uh, like I was picking up picking up a guitar you, you know that pro- wouldn't be a very literal term I was fairly <laughs> You know, I wasn't great on guitar. Even right. through the rags, I had a capacity for it. I was, right. you know, but it was only when I sort of left the rags that I tried to get a little bit better on it when I had to do it. You focused off. on actually Exactly, I had to do it for myself. So yeah, yeah. I couldn't really lean, lean on somebody else to do it for me, you know. Right, okay. Is that is that the main difference for you, then, being solo and being in a band? Yeah, I tried... Relying on other people? Yeah, I tried to, rel- I tried to get other band, like, people in the band in the beginning for this pr- solo thing, but... Um, I just didn't feel they were probably, you know, when you're in a band for so long, I was in a band for like 10 years yeah. and we rehearsed every night every night of the week and um, it becomes like you have this sort of intuition with each other that you sort of, you know when people know when you're going to do something and you yeah. know when they're going to do something, there's a real connection like, and it's only something that you could really build up. You, I don't think you can do it again after that point in your teens where you're spending every right. hour you have oh, okay. with these people. Yeah, yeah. So I realised that. I couldn't just get musicians in and hope they would interpret what I wanted them to interpret. Okay. So I had to, at the beginning, I had to, I came to that conclusion that I would have to probably do everything myself. So Okay. So were you were you writing the songs for the rags? Yeah, or most of them I would write. In a, like, you know, it was sort of shared, but on the majority, I suppose, would have been coming from me right. with regards, like, a very rudimentary guitar. Yeah. 
and then we'd bring it to the band and then other in other people would write say music and I'd always write lyrics lyrics would be the main thing for me and, uh, okay. and, and melodies and stuff you know okay so that was your kind of focus so that makes sense then that you would go solo after that I suppose well yeah I suppose I yeah, didn't yeah. want to incidentally I like I, I loved the band and I wanted to carry it on it's just um, I think we, it was a long haul and we'd had some successes but on the on the whole whole was a little bit disappointed that we didn't do better right. and people were moving on with their lives they had like they just had um, I suppose their own things going on and yeah, yeah. probably getting less and less serious about it and then they girlfriends and kids that sort of stuff they wanted that stuff and when you're in a, sometimes being in a band where there's not a lot of money coming in and yeah. it's not conducive to building a family life outside you know right yeah so would you miss the like the band atmosphere the environment of like the safety of a, of a, of a band and having other guys around you or did you find it kind of freeing to yeah, some aspects of having when things aren't going right, it's nice to be able to share the sort of burden of that fact over over six people, and when you're on your own, sometimes having to, you know, bear all that questioning of yourself and stuff, and wondering are you good enough? Is there any point in carrying on? It's harder on your own, but for uh, for the most part, I'd say it's much easier to be in to be on my own because. I have a fairly clear picture of what I want and when you're in a band it tends to be a case that everyone has a picture that's slightly different to the other person's and so it can cause a bit of friction when I have an idea someone else has an idea for the same part and you sort of know that one one idea will compromise it and one idea will sort of reinforce whatever it is you're trying to get across yeah 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 so it's is it it's Finglish you're from, is it? Finglish, yeah. And it, it, would music be a big part of your family? Or, or your, yeah, it was all. It would always. It, there would always be a backdrop of music in the house, you know. Right. But there was a small record collection, but they were well played, you know, well right. loved. Okay. What kind of stuff was there? What was most played? I think, from my memory, now someone else might have a different one. I think Sergeant Pepper was pretty much the one that was played and yeah, the most. Right. Okay. And then it was a mixture between Michael Jackson. See, it wasn't yeah. like there wasn't a real tread of music. There was, you know, yeah. it was a, there was a few things there, like Madonna to. and stuff right. like that. You know, it'd obviously be the, my sisters would have Madonna, and then one my other other sisters would like punk, and but generally there was a really small thing of records. You know, right, yeah, niche yeah. Okay. in in the the cupboard where the records were. Yeah. But Sgt. Pepper seemed to be on. We had some home videos and it always seemed to be on in some way. Right. In the background when there'd yeah. be a celebration or we'd be doing something in the house. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a good album. Like. It's, one, it's, <laughs> more, it's actually my favourite Beatles album. I know it's considered one of their best. Yeah. But And then most of the cool people think that it's not. Like they always say Revolver, but when, yeah. you know, I can just keep going back to it. I always feel yeah. that Sgt. Pepper... Like there's always something new to learn with it. You put on a set of headphones and you hear something you'd never heard before. Yeah. You'll always find something new, and that's from a record that's whatever it is sixty or seventy years old. Or it's not that old. For it was fifty or sixty 50, years. 55 yeah. or so. Yeah. So when you, that's some feat I think for a band who are sort of at, at the incipient end of popular music. You know, the, the real beginning of what we now know as popular music as an industry. Yeah. They, they, I suppose they were coming into something that hadn't really been industrialised to to the extent it has been now, you know. Yeah. yeah. 
And is that something that you, you now that you're kind of doing everything yourself, you're, it's like DIY, making it all yourself. Do you notice all the different things in the in the in the production or different sounds and that kind of thing? Yeah, well, it's on the if you li- if you listen to the record, you'll sort of hear that. I try to keep songs. Obviously, some of them are fairly minimal, but like there are songs like there's a song called Cecilia's Sister where I try to keep little things happening throughout the whole um, course of the song that keep you interested. And there's other ones. Yeah, I tried to make the production very interesting, you know, that would have longevity that if you keep going back to it, you might hear something new every time. Right. That was the idea. Right. You know, right. initially you might be hearing a melody yeah. and the the things in the foreground, but then as you get to know the record a bit more, you'll start to hear all the little things that are placed beneath the, the surface. Cool. Um, so you put down the Beatles as obviously a, a heavy influence. Um I think if you, I don't, I don't think there's a band on on the planet that wouldn't probably say the Beatles yeah. are uh, some way an influence. And if they do, they're probably crap. If they say they don't, <laughs> if they say that the Beatles have no effect on them, they're probably shy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's fair enough. Consciously or subconsciously. Yeah, well, whether they know it or not. But yeah, yeah, you know. yeah, yeah. And so, who else would you put in? Who else? Maybe not quite as high as the Beatles, but who else would you have as influence? Oh, I, don't, I don't know if it would be sort of a. Oh, I don't know if I'd place them like that because you know yourself music is tends to be your attraction to music is affected by your mood and yeah. sometimes oh, it's, yeah. I'd be in the mood for the Beatles and yeah, sometimes yeah, I yeah. couldn't be arsed listening yeah. to the Beatles I go through stages where I'd probably overdo the Beatles right. but it tends to be those periods of long listening and then you just need a break yeah. so there's, there's so it's so it's a, it's always find it a hard question but like I think there is a connecting thread with all the stuff I listen to and I think it's probably that at the core of everything all the big production there's songs you know really good songs that you could play maybe on acoustic or piano on its own and and the song would still come across Right. so I think that's what I like craftsmen I like people who can craft a song like Paul McCartney and Mm. obviously John Lennon and people like Paul Simon and Randy Newman just people who can play a trade I like the sort of, I like functionality of trades. You know, I know yeah. I like someone who can come in. If you have a problem in your house, say uh, with you know your stairs, and you're saying, "Look, this this thing keeps blah blah blah. I need this fixed because this has happened." I love someone who can identify it straight away that this is the issue, and I can fix it, and I can do it. I like somebody who has that confidence in their ability to do stuff. So. I think in modern songwriting, there's less and less of those people who are just really gifted songwriters and mm. understand the mechanics of songwriting in a way that this is going to connect with people, you know? Right. Okay. And do you feel like that's something you were then trying to achieve in your own record? I find it difficult to write songs. I like my. I suppose the main thing I like doing is writing lyrics, but I find it, di- even though I, I can write songs, I do find it difficult because I'm always, I always want to, to make it a little bit more special than the last one and right. I suppose you need that friction in yourself to achieve good songs you know I, but I do I, de- I definitely think I'm at a stage where I can write songs competently and write good songs competently okay uh, yeah well I, even, if, just, even though it's difficult yeah 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 I would say the album is, is, is fairly musical like for someone for, you, for saying that you don't really like or you're maybe not as good at writing the music part mm. so there's some parts that are very very musical like some of the um What's the name of the song you were playing there a minute ago? Cecilia's sister. Yeah, oh, that was Cecilia. Mm. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm not. I see. I'm not a musician, so I find it very hard sometimes to describe mm. it. But it sounds. It's very kind of. To me, that seems like someone who's really good at writing 
mm. know, a riff or a piece of music on a guitar. Yeah, I was just I suppose that was what this record was in many ways. Um, yeah. My apprenticeship at that and trying things and realizing, you know, there are no limitations. You just have to if you want it bad enough, you can you can make it. You know, you okay. just have to want it bad enough. I think I know people say, "Oh, how do you do this? How do you do that?" Like, as far as I'm concerned, you can do anything you want to do. You just have to be willing to invest whatever it takes to get what you want from it. And that's what this record's taught me, is that I can do whatever I want, I just have to want to do it. Yeah, and, that, and I'm not saying that egotistically, it's just I think it's no. the same channel of thought is open to anybody yeah. to, to do whatever you want it's to do. Advice for anything. Don't, yeah. don't, yeah. You know, don't let people talk you out of it, because if you have an interest, and a natural interest and a drive to do something, mm. you, you will amaze yourself at what you can achieve or what you can do that you never thought was possible for you. Yeah. That's, I agree 100% with that. So, like that was a hard thing for me to come around to, and I only I only really started to come around to it when I when I when things started happening. When I'd be like, I can't write this riff, and I'd try to get guitarists to come over and play it, and they were all busy, or else one would come over, and it just wasn't working out. And right. I just sat there for like maybe two months, just playing the guitar and going home in the evening and learning scales. Hmm. And you don't realise it in the midst of what you're trying to achieve, but at the end of it, it something clicked with me that this is what it's about. It's about like having confidence in yourself when you have no reason to have yeah you've no you've no obvious way of getting what you want but you just have a determination to get it yeah and it te- it's like self-realization it, isn't it determination is, yeah. is, 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 you, is most of it did you have to force yourself to think like that like i know it's kind of it, i just had to close like like i suppose it's realizing that like you don't really have the capacity to do it but you're determined to find the capacity to do it. Yeah. I, I, it was only after the album was made I realised that this whole process was a, a case of me trying to make music against the odds and against probably like just smashing my limitations and not letting them just be limitations, just saying, I'm just going to carry on, I'm going to keep banging until the whole thing comes down yeah and that's what i kept doing yeah. and it, that's difficult to do sometimes but that's the point is that the the idea that you can just achieve something if you buy an, like the same guitar as someone you like or the same preamp as someone you like or whatever people seem to have this idea nowadays that like if i get the same camera as him i'll take the same pictures as him but it doesn't work that way you have it takes a lot of hard work to be the, at the top of your field mm. yeah so i suppose that's what you have to be ready for yeah so it's all right talking like that but then to spend maybe two months trying to get a guitar part in the midst of that and maintaining a certain something in your brain is saying it's going to come it's going to come don't worry yeah, just go yeah. home do it again do it again keep doing it keep doing it you'll get it Fairly. it's believing that I don't know how it happens but for some reason I already clicked into that state of mind that I'm going to do it regardless of what my limitations or what yeah. I'm inclined to think at any given time I'm going to do it I'm going to defy yeah. the odds yeah that's great and um, just to go back then to your family like what how many you've got a couple of sisters is it and how many siblings and how many parents did you get did you get two of them yeah two yeah. of them um, <laughs> two of them one brother and four sisters okay right yeah so big enough family yeah big enough and is there other musicians in there no no, no music my uncle my mom's brother um he's a musician right. well he he would have brought instruments in right like he would have he had a saxophone and he had um oh cool he would have put the first guitar down. I have cousins who play music, so right. in one way or another, I would have seen instruments around. But right. I probably never really had the 
inclination to pick them up until later, like in school and stuff. I think I think it was probably around the time, you know, bands like Blur and Oasis were coming through and yeah. you know, that that whole Britpop thing was Which side are you on, Blur or Oasis? None. They're both brilliant, aren't they? Okay. <laughs> I'm <laughs> very I'm very me. much in the blur corner. So. Yeah, I love blur, <laughs> like blur or, um you can't suppose, deny a bit of Oasis though. I can, I'm actually not mad on Oasis, honestly. <laughs> well I don't I, for me like I don't, I don't know, I, I don't know about that side of things. But musically, I think Damon Albarn's probably one of the, the real gems. It, yeah, again, yeah, there you go, yeah, craftsman, yeah. a person who does it time and time He's again. A prolific man. Exactly, and yeah. like, I, he'd be one of my favourite yeah, yeah. of of the generation. You know. Cool. Okay. And how how highly would you hold Noel Gallagher then? In He's brilliant. Like, yeah. you can't, it's undeniable. Like Oasis first two two albums and B sides. There's enough. If he had it died, like. If you mm-hmm. think of what the adulation Kurt Cobain received, yeah, I, yeah. I would, it's arguable, but I, I would say Noel Gallagher probably has a, a bigger wealth of really amazing songs. I know Kurt Cobain has a few great songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, maybe I know, Dying definitely helps, there's no doubt about it. Mm. <laughs> so if he had to just throw himself off a bridge, I think yeah. he'd be up there with some of the, yeah. the greats. No, I don't I don't deny that he's obviously a very good songwriter. I just don't. I just don't love the songs as much. With the voices, well, I, don't know. I suppose at the end of the day, it all boils down to taste, you know. Yeah. Some people have it. My he's favorite. Gonna, he's going to be raised when he hears. Yeah. That. <laughs> Sorry, Noel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Avid listener. Um, my my favorite Oasis song actually was on one of their last albums. It was um, the importance of being idle. Do you know that one? I do. It started kinksy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. my favorite Oasis song, mm. which is probably a very unpopular opinion. But anyway, there you go. <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> um, so uh, there's no other musicians, but how how how's your the family then with your music? Are they supportive? Are your parents supportive, or were they trying to push you into a college no, or a trade? Or I, anything? I think, like I think probably the way they dealt with me playing music was the best way, which was a certain level of indifference. You know, they understand <laughs> it's a it's a difficult industry. Mm. You know, and if I, they've never really been any other way other than like you know they're happy for me to do what I want to do right but they were never happy to indulge in like oh you're great you're amazing like right, yeah. which is which helped me because I think these parents can maybe overdo that the whole idea that whatever oh, yeah. my son does he's brilliant that oh definitely nowadays. I never got that yeah. and all the people around me never gave me that and I suppose that worked to my advantage I was always sort of um, you know, it's stubborn, I, maybe. No, it's just I. I never. They never made me feel like I. I had um anything that anyone else didn't have, and right. I suppose I took that ethos into making music. I don't okay. have anything anyone else has, and like I said to you before, I think anybody, anybody, anything anybody wants is accessible. They just have to um, identify what it is that connects with them. Right. I just so yeah. happens mu- music is something that allowed me to connect with whatever is in me and get me, you know. Firing towards a goal, uh, you know, an obvious goal. Which yeah, music, yeah, yeah. I was able to put most of my character into driving towards whatever it is I wanted. Yeah, most people get per- confused about what they want, and they get a job, and they realize they have to. I was lucky in that sense. They never put pressure on me. They always tried to, um, you know, keep a little bit of a distance from it. It's like a, a lot of the time they'd say, "I don't like that song," and I'd appreciate that, and I appreciate the yeah. people I love saying. I don't like that rather than t- telling me a lie, you know? Yeah. Because well, again, they're, the they're the same. Yeah. yeah, well, again, like you have that opinion about Oasis. They could have yeah. had that opinion. But the one thing, I never took it to heart. I never felt like, 
oh, that's that's an affront on me as a human being. I realise they have their tastes, I have mine. Yeah. And I'm glad their love for me doesn't get in the way of their honesty and yeah. their, 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 their own inclinations, whatever music it is. Yeah. So I was able to... I never really feel, felt injured by anybody di- close to me disliking it. Yeah. Or, or anybody in general, I, you know. Well, that's like, I think that's the main... The main trait you need to be a creative person is to be able to accept criticism and, and yeah. feedback and use it yeah and not be kind of hurt by it because mm. rejection good, good is good criticism well so it, sometimes it, it, it's, it's yeah know, well it's, it's to be able well, to it can see be negative but you I yeah, think but negative it, as well but being able to see what's useful and what's not some of it would be negative but if it's some of it's negative and not useful yeah oh yeah like yeah. constructive criticism can be some of the best thing in the world for absolutely anyone who's creative and being able to see see it and use it or yeah. ignore it if somebody's... Sometimes people are just wrong with their feedback, you know? Yeah, exactly. And I think that there comes down to a certain level where you, you have to trust the people that are close to you, but you also... I think the most... The person you have to offer the most trust to is yourself and, mm. and trust the idea that you know what's best for you, right? Yeah. Some people get that mixed up with someone being like pig-headed or stuff. Yeah. But I generally know in my gut when I'm not doing something good. When, yeah. I'm, when I know it doesn't make me feel good when I write a lyric and I know it's just off par and when somebody says it back to me I thought that lyric I'm able to go that's fine because I felt that in my gut anyway I, don't, I didn't really need you to tell me so I suppose the person whose, opi- whose opinion I trust most is my own yeah. because yeah. it's 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 um, wired into my you know my gut yeah. feelings and stuff but you sometimes used to be told that that's your opinion yeah, you know I mean? yeah, yeah. No, exactly. You need someone to reinforce. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Yeah, I and have, that's I, I suppose that's that. what I had throughout the course of the record was somebody always to be- a couple of people that I could bounce off, you know, and go. Um, he'd say it, and I'd go, "Oh yeah, I knew that." And he was somewhere inside yeah. me, I knew yeah. it. Maybe it was just because I'd spent so long on it, I wasn't prepared to admit it to myself. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. Well, you kind of earned that comfort now, you know, because if you've you've done it for. I don't know how long. How long exactly, you, I've yeah. done it for about fifteen years, yeah. and it gets to the stage where if you don't have if you can't reinforce um, the work you're doing with your own enthusiasm and your own belief, then yeah. I suppose, where are you? Where you know, if yeah. you're waiting for everybody else to love you and you can't love yourself, where yeah. are you? No yeah. way. Absolutely. Um, so, out of school, then was it was it a job? Was it college? Um, mm. Yeah, college. I did did some electrical engineering, and then I went on. And, did bits of apprenticeship work went flat, got let go and stuff like that. And then I was into music at that stage. And so right. what that gave me was a, an in, inroad into um, sort of the building side of things, which then again, uh, it seems like everything is playing into the final narrative yeah. where we're at now. Everything is feeding. Yeah. Look, everything's happening for a reason in yeah, a way. It's yeah. You know, if you look back at it, like yeah. If you well. look at it, like yeah. it seems like fate was had its own thing in mind for me. Yeah, All so I was doing to... was trying to embrace what it was I loved, yeah. which was music. Mm. There was part. There was a there was a story off to the left and right of that going on with like things maybe I didn't like at the time, but they were all heading toward and facil- to facilitate this ne- the next chapter yeah the falling apart of the band I didn't necessarily want it but it seemed that it it, it brought more out of me yeah by offering up a challenge that I can't play instruments how am I going to learn how to play instruments I've nowhere to work how am I going to get a place to work yeah all these things that I thought were insignificant were actually significant very significant to the whole picture 
Yeah, that's because that's kind of what I was trying to get to overall. Is I suppose you've you built up your your fifteen years of music, and I'm sure you've failed and done lots of bad things along the way. But that's mm-hmm. given you the right to be able to be confident in your own abilities now. Um, and at the same time, you were using your hands, you were building or doing mm. whatever it was. Um, and so that brings us up to where we are now, which is uh, you built your own studio. Uh, is that right? In, in your back yeah. garden? Well, my uncle has a place in Leaslip and okay. I, he just allowed me to, to use the little bit of space. Right. And I I built a studio, yeah. And you literally built it on your own. Mm. Bricks, foundations, walls, everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Roof, windows, the whole lot. Mm. You did it all. Okay, well, that's amazing. Alan doesn't live in a house. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, I had, I, had, I had a couple of... Um, obviously, I had a couple of friends to to, um, you know, fought, lean back on who have good knowledge in the trade and trade industry and they would always, you know, be pointing me in the right direction. So right, so. yeah. But uh, um, I suppose, is there similarities then between the, build, the building of the album and the, the studio in that did you were probably, or did you seek advice when you are also making the album and, I don't know, on the production or mastering or mixing or any of that kind of stuff mm. the same way you would with your with your friends who were building... What you say, trades or contractors? Or yeah, whatever. I suppose it's the same thing. Like you, you, you're, you're starting from nothing and you have to take each part hmm. individually. I think if you, if you look at the whole thing, it could definitely overwhelm you. So I just broke the, the, making of the record into parts and I broke the making of the studio into parts. Right. I'd work on the foundations. I wouldn't think of the walls until the foundations were down. And right. then I would consider that next part and then the windows, the roof. I took it in parts. And the same, okay. I, I didn't, with the album, I wrote songs, and um, when I'd finished it, writing the songs, then I thought about how I'm going to embellish the songs with the instruments that I want, right. and then I said about that, and when I felt I had a certain capacity on them instruments, I then pro- de- then started thinking about production and um, mixing and recording and stuff like that. So, um, how long did it actually take to build the studio? I think it was about six or seven months. So would that have been six or seven months of full-time building or were you playing music at the same time? Yeah, it was, it was pretty intense, the building. I did a little, I was was working on a few little bits of songs in between. but At night time or something? Yeah, I was trying to um, just focus on getting that done. Okay, and, and then and then the studio was, was done and you went straight in and started recording? I went in and start working on songs I didn't necessarily start recording straight oh, okay. away maybe Where did, demoing. did you have the equipment already or I'd picked up a little bit along the way with my old right. band and stuff so I had the rudimentary parts I knew a part I, I also researched what equipment I felt would be the best to right. represent the, the stuff but yeah I went in and start maybe demoing and learning as I was going again the demoing was sort of where I was able to learn where I should put the mic and the acoustic and stuff, oh, okay. doing stuff like that. You're learning the practical things about recording as you yeah, go along. Yeah. Did the songs come before or after the studio, or did you use this? Did you think in your head beforehand, I'm actually going to use the studio as a tool to write songs? No, no. I, I'm always writing songs. I don't. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't necessarily need tools. I like. I had some ideas, and I had like fundamental aspects of some of the songs, like. I suppose the main thing for me was that made that spurred me on was uh, I think I had a couple of songs before I start building the studio that I felt were could possibly be really strong and and the main thing for me was not to let anything degenerate into mediocrity you know this yeah. like 
the, wor- the last thing Ireland needs another bloke writing average songs. <laughs> so I wanted them to be really good songs. Yeah. And then that spurred me on to doing the, to maybe giving a reason to put myself into building a studio. Yeah. And one thing about this, this studio, like just the sound of the studio, is there anything from the studio that you would, looking back, you'd go, that's really the sound of the album is from the combination of this and this or I couldn't have done it without this compressor or this you know I don't know it's hard it's really hard to say I just you know you get used to stuff I think if like if say someone like John Lennon was put in a room with the worst compressor and the worst preamp or considered the worst and he recorded Imagine and all the parts to Imagine that we know now are famous would it be any lesser of a song I'm not sure no, I, I, yeah, not even. I suppose about the the craft of the song. Like I know, you know, a song is a song. I I do. Yeah, I am a little bit superstitious. I like the the Chandler preamp, and I I use a a Peluso. Um, what's it called? Uh, it's like a copy of the Beatles, sort of the Neumann mic they used to use. Oh, yeah, the, yeah. The, the, the the I can't think. U eighty seven or something. Yeah, no, U eighty forty seven. Yeah. Yeah, and I had it like a tube amp or a tube in the in, in it. Yeah. And it, it, I suppose I'm superstitious about that. I think that's one of the components that I probably, like, towards the end, I was like, that was a yeah. pre- prerequisite to doing any vocal takes. I wouldn't do it on a different mic or through yeah. a different preamp. Yeah, that's that, that's all I mean. I know I know what you're saying about the, a song, you know, mm. a song being a song. I think it was, yeah, but I think a lot of that that can be in your head that you need to use this gear. It was just when I left the when I considered what gear I needed, I knew I'd need a good analog to digital converter first mm. of all. So where the signal path begins, a good preamp, and a good mic. And I realised with that little thing there once. Once I had re- drums recorded, that would give me a, the ability to record bass, acoustic guitars, piano, everything. Yeah. So in a way, it may, I was looking to have something that would mean I wouldn't have to come into a big studio and pay money to record vocals for yeah. six hours. And did it take a long time to say get the, you know, the drum sound? Did you have to treat the room a lot differently? Did you have to do it all? You know, did you have to spend a week doing drums and then retreat the entire room and then move on to doing? Yeah, I, there was a lot of trial and error with the drums. Like yeah. some, I think a couple of the drum tracks were from my own studio, and a couple I brought into town, just recorded them, brought the audio tracks back, and built around them. Yeah, but yeah, the drums would be most challenging. Just I had a certain, I wanted a certain type of sound, and I didn't necessarily know how to get it, so I was just making mistakes up until the point where I felt. Yeah. Like a lot of the mixing and stuff was intuitive. I was doing things probably that a mixing engineer would come in and go, "What are you doing?" But, you know, I was going arse about face on a lot of stuff. Yeah. But did, I didn't give a shit about that. All I gave a shit about was the bottom line, which was the sound I wanted to achieve. The image of it you had in your head. Yeah, I had it. I had it. That, and I knew exactly when it was right. I knew right. I can move on from that. I can, mm. you know. Did you play all the instruments yourself? Yeah. Yeah. I have. I had like um, pro. I programmed drums and I got a real drummer in to play them right and um so i had a f- i was f- he'll probably you know i was fairly rigid about what i wanted it nearly every beat is placed where i wanted it to be i had it oh, okay. and i so i played the bass lines I, again i did it sort of backward in that usually it's a beat that's down and the, someone plays the bass where i played all the bass lines and then the drummer was trying to play 
after that fact, which isn't always conducive to, to a fluid <laughs> sort of drumming. Right. So a lot of the drums then I had to do, sort of map out and give him a picture, and then he'd humanise them. Right, okay. So, um, And when you're... Uh, you're playing live. At, I, I don't know if you're planning a, a tour or anything, but will you have a band with you? Or yeah, I'll have a band with me for that. Um, right. I'm doing a show on the 16th of October in Unitarian okay. Church. Okay, that's it's a lovely just, venue. I think that's just about sold out. And um, I'm doing C- Cocklands, or for Dublin people, they call it Cocklands and Cork. Or okay. Collins <laughs> in in Cork, they call it Collins. Oh, do they? Yeah, oh, I didn't know that. Um, no. So I'm doing them two shows, and there's definitely going to be a few more shows added to yeah. that um, okay. whole affair. The, Uni- the Unitarian Church is beautiful. Yeah, I'm going to have a whole, I'll have a string quartet and stuff. Oh, lovely! The whole thing. Uh, and it's not sold out just yet. I think it might be, but oh, okay. it might be by the time <laughs> this goes out. Anyway, because right. I just got a text this morning saying there's about five tickets left. So oh, right, cool. okay. Um, okay, and then how long did the actual album take to record? On your on your own, <laughs> oh, I've just completely lost track of that side of things. Maybe about two years, right? Okay, two and a half years. Okay, three years, four years. <laughs> <laughs> I and don't know. Are you now? Are you um, are you using the the studio a lot? Do you rent it out to other musicians now, or no? I just yeah, I do. I stay in it. I try and I try and stay on top of writing. I've yeah. been going through a bit of a lull on the writing front, but I still try and. Force my force the issue. Right, 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 right. You know, come out the other end of a block. But yeah, I I spend a lot of time out there. Cool. And so um, I want to get to the the video which just came out. Um, you you did door to door sales of your album. Mm. Um, so what wh- was it like a promotional idea for the album? Was it just an idea to get it out there and to make a viral video, or was it a genuine attempt to sell some albums? No, it wasn't. I think it was more like the, the fella that recorded it. He sort of said to me. That you know, when he been to a few gigs and he sort of sees that you're almost begging people to listen to your record, yeah, yeah, and begging people for their email address and begging people for this and that. He said, "Why don't we go like to like take out the music end of it, the whole you know, I'm an artist and you know playing gigs and just bring bring it bring it around to doors with an iPod or iPod and let people listen to it and just let's see what, how they react and you know, and then." You know, try and sell it to them at the door, and it, we documented it. And we, when we got it back, we realised this, this is definitely something people would be interested in. Yeah, and um, it, they were definitely. Yeah, you know, it was it was a, it was a weird step to take because going door to door isn't very rock and roll. No, I can't imagine. You know, Bono going door to door to sell a U two album. No. No, you could say now that it is though, like you know, kind of putting it's kind it in of your saying, <laughs> giving two fingers to everything and saying I'm going to do this. Yeah, I suppose yeah, I was thinking kind of, conventionally. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Like you get tired of trying to make people believe in you yeah. because you realise as well you have to turn the question on yourself. Like I'm giving my record to you, say, and you don't know me. Your first inclination is oh, fuck off, you. You know, there's a million yeah. people making records and bringing them out, and you're just an art idiot with a guitar and leave me alone I've got my own life to live <laughs> and I'm like that as well Like yeah. so I, I don't really blame people for that but when you bring it to their doorstep and you, you interact with them as a human being and not like somebody that is better than them mm. just a person that does something a little bit different to them which is playing music and at the end of the day it's not brain surgery I don't deserve any awards it's just I'm just a human and I'm I've, I've made this stuff will you please have a listen and when they have had a listen then their reaction sort of fed everybody's reaction online because yeah. there were real people listening to somebody they didn't know 
They weren't told by tastemakers or industry people that this is what they should be listening to. They were just yeah. some bloke coming to the door, genuinely asking them to buy the record, have a listen, and then buy the record. Yeah, that really and comes true as well. It's like sincer- sincerity, you know. Well, that's what it is. So I suppose... Like, I don't really think you can contrive that. How could you possibly go, yeah, we'll, this will be, everyone will get this. It was just, we filmed it. When we got back and looked at it and put the music over the top of it, it just, it was just one of those things. It yeah. connected with people and that will. Yeah, well, I don't know, because it, it almost seemed like, because it's a really good video. So it's it's well made, like, and, you know, it looks good and the sound is good and all this stuff. And there's kind of a nice narrative to it, you know. Mm. Um so, I mean, I think you'd be forgiven for thinking that maybe, oh, maybe there's like a marketing company behind this because it's quite a good idea, you know. Mm. But but then it's so not sleazy or, you know, it is very sincere and genuine. Well, it wasn't, so, that, it wasn't like we didn't, we weren't pushing it down any channels. It was just we made it and um, I had an album coming out on Friday. It, obviously, you have PR involved and it's very difficult for PR agent like it is difficult for me to get people to listen because he's presenting somebody who's unknown mm. he's presenting a record that he's heard and thought well this is something I could maybe get the people and yeah. get them to listen <clears throat> and nothing was really happening on Monday with regards PR we weren't getting a whole lot of coverage most of the pub- most of the main publications weren't ha- hadn't committed to a review mm. of the record and I was sort of a little bit like getting a little bit disillusioned as the week went on we had the video together I think I don't know what day it came out but I looked back at the video and I sort of thought this could this could be what helps people help the record resonate with people and really um, yeah change the whole record release and and look my goal ultimately is to get people listen to the music yeah you know and I suppose it has, like you know, yeah, definitely, the, the definitely. video has opened up a lot of doors. Obviously, yeah. we were on the Late Late Show and the Headstuff Podcast. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's what the, the Late Late Show actually got this first. Yeah, <laughs> opened opened this door for me. I'm just gonna some favors. Yeah, <laughs> you're welcome. Um, and uh, a question that doesn't really matter, but how how many did you actually sell door to door? Um, loads. Did you really? Loads, yeah. Deadly. Uh, loads of people were. When as soon as you put the music on their head, they're sort. They were probably expecting some sort of half baked singer songwriter or an acoustic yeah, yeah. guitar. I love. Yeah, some of the people were like, what "Was it one person said uh, it's like a real track?" Exactly. <laughs> really and, you know, they weren't expecting the production yeah. or the level of production yeah. that's on the record. So yeah, yeah, loads. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Um, and then I d- I don't know how much it, how this stuff really works, but. Is there any way for that to like chart then? No, can you, you can't do that. But a lot, since the video, lots of people have bought it online, and I yeah. can register. So come to your website charts. and stuff. Yeah, they okay. can register that stuff. Um, cool. Well, that's great. I mean, doing something like that and, and being—it's so DIY. You, you literally built your own studio, mm. then made the album, and then made the video, which then made the album sell. I mean, it's it's such a great story, really. Yeah, the brilliant. whole thing is brilliant. It's a great story for anyone. Yeah, you know? mm. yeah. And um, I, I just—I suppose I love that you've done it, and well done. Um, and and I'd love to hear a song. Do we should play a song now? On the, oh, will yeah. Song. Um, uh, so, um, and the, I, sw- I assume this is a song off the album. Yeah. Uh, so people can go on and buy the album um, on AndersonSongs.com. Or for and it comes with a C- it's a vinyl record, but it comes with a CD. Okay. And also, 
you can get on iTunes if you don't like physical things. <laughs> okay, so it's yeah. andersonsounds.com. Yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll do history. History. That's all right. Yep. Nobody seems to want to know About the things that really matter The rush and push from day to day Slowly wearing us away Still I see the sun rise in your eyes The summer it lives in song But the heart of it is gone It still looks the same But everything's changed Many of the hearts still beat I know some will be there forever I feel history The ashes of yesterday We watch the seasons come and go would last forever Days when life was ours to live And all it ever did was give Still I see the sun rise in Your eyes whenever blue I look beside me And I see Summer it lives in song But the heart of it is gone It still looks the same But everything's changed And many of the hearts still beat I know some will be there forever I feel history ashes of yesterday listening to that that was uh, episode 13 of the Headstuff podcast with Anderson I really hope you enjoyed that uh, he's a great guy you should go and um, maybe buy his album on andersonsongs.com or as he said there in the interview uh, or on iTunes if you don't like physical things um, so it was great to have him in it was great to talk to him and to have a couple of songs um, I'm still here with Connor who has done all the sound hello <laughs> 
I hope all the sound uh, the sound was good. Uh, it sounds awful. It sounds awful. It sounds good. awful. Sorry, sorry about that, podcast listeners. Um, so uh, thanks very much to Connor Wilkins and uh, Wilkins Sound Systems. Uh, thanks to Anderson for being on the podcast. Uh, thanks to Video Blue for the theme tune. Uh, to Mikey for the artwork that I haven't asked him to do yet, but he'll do because he's lovely. Um, he's lovely. Yeah. So um, uh, thanks, thanks to you for listening. Um, if you haven't already subscribed and rated us on iTunes and SoundCloud, um, it would be a really big help if you did that. Uh, so thanks for listening, and we'll be back uh, soon with another episode. Goodbye.